0: I just landed back home, niggas. All hell, Caesar's home, niggas. Internets, you're tuned into the Combat Jack Show, CombatJackShow.com. This is a very, very special episode. Oh, man. What's up, Mena I'm good, baby. What's up, King? What? It's been a long time since all of us have been on the mic together, man. It's, 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 it's turning out to be Ayo. a great summer, huh? It is. I mean, we've been on the road. Shout out to New Orleans. Yeah. um you know shout out to you know guru and and kinfolk and, and g star we already been through Currency, that yo shout out, out to the uk man i just came back from the uk man i got the crazy jet lag um but super 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 shout out to my man ill will lavin who really hooked up this whole thing at the brooklyn bowl london um you guys are about to listen to a very special live interview with kano I know some of you Yanks out here, like who the fuck is Kano? I seen some of the comments on Instagram, like combat fell off. Who's this nigga? Nigga eat a dick, all right? Like niggas get cultured, man. Out out in the UK and outside these small confines of the US, man, motherfuckers know who Kano is, man. I was so honored, man, to 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 tap into his history as as one of the like one of the few. It's like four cats that's really like the originators of this current grime scene, you know? Like niggas is all on skeptic right now but 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 Kano's one of the cats that really solidified the scene that it's just starting. So talking to him going into that history and and what it was like going to the uh how do they say it? They don't say garage, they say garage. Garage <laughs> music, you know what I'm saying? Like you but the thing is I was warned is like yo, if you say garage, you fucking up, combo. You got to say garage. So shout out to the garage movement um you know, and then I don't know, your internets, if you haven't seen this show, Top Boy, on um, Netflix, y'all got to do it, man. It's two seasons, BBC programming. Top Boy, I don't want to do no injustice to either brand, but if you had to compare Top Boy any, to anything, it's like a smaller version of The Wire. But it's, have you seen it, Mena? I've seen the trailer for it. No, it's dope, man. And Kano is one of the stars in there, man. So I, I highly implore y'all to see that. Um, this is a dope episode. It really was. It was kind of like it was actually my most nervous in terms of doing a live episode because it was like, yo, I don't want to not I don't want to not show that I don't understand their culture because it's very easy for us Americans to be like, yo, I got we American now. Nah. was I had to respect their culture. Um, craziest thing, King, because you know when we do shows out here, live shows, mm-hmm. and motherfuckers be talking and murmuring and p- 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 hisspering. Yo, the U.K., the the audience was silent. Focused. For close to two hours, man. I mean, like, is Americans dumberer? I mean, I don't know, man. Like, they got their level of concentration and love was crazy. The women were beautiful. Oh, women were beautiful out in the U.K. Yo, special shout-out to Rob Percy. Rob Percy, top journalist. I don't know if you've heard of him. He's been in our timelines. He's been supporting the movement for a while. But he has this party out there. Call it hip hop karaoke, and it ain't no New- a New York U.S. karaoke where motherfuckers read shit off the right, off right. the screen. Like, like the only low points of the hip hop karaoke was like when motherfuckers were trying to do like Jay Z mm-hmm. or Biggie or American songs, but when they went into like that fucking Grime Clash garage shit, yo, that's sh- the
1: whole place. So do. You- do you have to continue to say garage now that you're back in the U.S.? I mean,
0: I, I got to re- represent the culture. How the fuck would I not say okay, garage? i are just saying. Garage. garage. Can you say garage? Garage. That's right. For the culture. Um, Who else do I give a shout out to, garage. man? Shout out to Aaron from Mitchell & Ness. Mitchell & Ness gave us like mad love, man. Mad, mad love. I got some caps for y'all, by the way. Some nice no jerseys. Exclusive. I didn't bring no jerseys, man. They did. They, they. Plus, you know what? They only had the the largest.
1: I'm selling weight, so you know
0: they, they only had the largest, <laughs> nigga. You gotta sell more weight before you in the large <laughs> category. No shots. Um, who else do I want to thank out there, man? Um, 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 George um, Ace. Um. Oh uh, no, no, George. Billy and the Chicks. Billy and the Chicks is this new chicken spot. Yo, Sam hooked us up. Sam runs this place called Billy and the Chicks. Whenever you're in London, internets, go to Billy and the Chicks. Crazy, crazy, um, chicken. You know I'm selling chicken all over the place right now, chicken, and they got this like special barbecue chicken that tastes like ribs for you righteous hotel niggas that don't eat pork, man. Yo, Stop. listen, <laughs> shout out to Billy and the chicks. Um, 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 um. Oh boy,
1: George A. C. Is that that's the right name? Oh, George, yo, yeah.
0: internets. I ran into like, uh, I ran into like some classic like cats has been fucking with us from before day one, man. I ran into the original super fan, George A. C. With a J, um, who's been fucking with the Daily Math when I was writing and shit. And then listen to the first episode. Like, George, man, we got so much love for you, man. Really, really, really so much love for you, man. Um, Oh, the Dime Pieces. Mm. Um, Mm -hmm. Stephanie, Stephanie, you're a Dime Piece. Mm -hmm. De La. (laughs) Queen, yeah, De La? Yeah, De La Steph. Give it to him. uh, Marquetta. And Queen Raphaela, yes. Y'all Ooh. y'all y'all can come to New York anytime. Can I can get I drop
1: can I give you a little because I wasn't there with you, man. We was we was in the we were still in BK, you know. Looking at the gram. Um I'm married. Listen. Yeah, stay married. Yeah, I, dude. I, you know, I, I my, <laughs> stay trust me, stay married. <laughs> you know, uh I had to No hit, shots. I had to hit the follow <laughs> I had to hit the follow button a couple times, you know. Make sure, you know. What up, Day Laste? I'm
0: sorry, Marquesa. Marquesa. Yo, thanks for the love. Um Um mm-hmm. um, Miko miko shout out to miko um i definitely shouted out aaron um damn so many people man so many
1: yeah. people man um you went the trip. to you went to a, a protest out there too, i went right? to the
0: black lives matter nice i mean i've never been Word. to a black lives matter protest in the states and i'm not ashamed to say so because my schedule is crazy you know going through some crazy shit father four kids you know combat Jack the network but Sunday morning, last Sunday morning, man, you know, my crew woke up. They was like, it was Saturday night. They was like, yo, the march is tomorrow. So we was like kids. We were like, yo, let's put some signs together. So we we did our arts and crafts that Saturday night. You know what I'm saying? Burnt a little bit of that, 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 that. Reggie. Well, they got some good weed out there too. Mm. They got some great weed. They got some, yo. Anyway, I'll get back to that in a second. So we did the signs and then we all gathered in front of the, um, American Embassy, man, and I'm. It was a Sunday morning. The weather was nice, and I'm tripping because I'm like, "Yo, here I am, from America, standing on UK soil, staring with hundreds of thousands of people in front of the American Embassy. That shit was empowering, mm. and even the energy was that was that was out there, man. Like we shut down this place called Oxford Street, in Oxford Street." It's kind of like the equivalent to 42nd Street, right? Mm. So we shut down mad traffic, like mad double-decker buses and the whole nine. And I'm not trying to romanticize the shit because I know the UK has their xenophobic shit also going and popping with Brexit. But we shut down the city, man, and the double-decker buses in the city and the civil servants. They were supporting the shit. You know what I'm saying? They weren't worried so much about the money that they lost or the time they were losing as much as they're like, yo, let's support this movement which was supporting our shit. You know what I mean? So it was just humbling, man, to be on the other side. Cause when we hear all this fuck shit that's going on, we, we I, I personally think like it's it's only our problem. You know what I'm saying? But when you go global and you see brothers and sisters and it's not just black, like, like the Europeans are supporting this shit. When you see the support from overseas, man, that shit is amazing, man. That shit is so amazing. What was I talking about? What did I say I was going to get back to? The, the weed. weed. The weed, yo, the weed, yo. I hooked up. Um, I missed my flight. Um, so I, you know, shout out to, to to Brooklyn Hip Hop Festival, yes, for for supporting us um, and being understand because I know I was supposed to do that New Jack City 20th anniversary um, panel,
1: but we rocked out on Saturday though. Oh yeah, we rocked out the at main, the Brooklyn. Yes, main. yes,
0: yes, yes, yes. But but I got a chance to to link up with with Killer Mike and LP in their mm. hotel room. You burning down some of that crazy shit, man. That shit, oh, the shit, the shit, that shit out there. And I'm not a weed head like that, but that shit smells. That shit feels like you're really Smoking air from heaven, like
2: yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you
0: know. Anyway, listen, man. I'm glad to be back home, man. Yo, oh, shout out to Charlie Sloth on the BBC um, for for doing a, an amazing interview with me. He's kind of like the Funk Master Flex out there, so you know, dropping bombs and all of that shit. But that was a very entertaining. Um, interview. He's got the interview on YouTube right now. Internet's about me and all these so-called beefs. You know, beefs with, with, with Noriega and, and Elliot and Premium Pete and Dot Omen and Peter Rosenberg. Man, I, I didn't realize over the past several years that I that I had tension with all these cats, but I piece that shit out, man. It's all love. Uh, we back, man. We back. We're back. Tour is still in effect. We're about to do Atlanta. What date are do we doing? Atlanta, gentlemen? August
1: 13th. bro. Sorry. Yes, August 13th. Atlanta. ATM,
0: August shit. 13th. We're about to start putting up the, yo, we had to, we had to kill Boston, Boston, my deepest apologies.
1: Temporarily. Temporarily. We're going to work it out. We work my it
0: deepest, out. deepest apologies. Yo, static selector, we got you, man. All right. Apologies. We don't do that fuck shit. Apologies. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to come back to Boston, man. But right now it's Atlanta ATL. Um, tell us who y'all want to interview live out in ATL, man. We're about to do it. Um, we got to shout out somebody who, who got to shout out, uh, Mena? Zay Oni, who does Zay Oni? Like, how, what kind of name is that? Is that Italian? Is that, is that nah, African? Nah, he's a brother. Is that Hotep? What nah, the he's fucks? a brother. I brother? don't know he's a Hotep. Yo, Hotep. Humasa. Zay Tony. But you know, he's been lacing us with the the instrumentals for the ads. Yo, you've been getting a lot of, a lot, a lot of love, Zay Tony. I hope we pronounce it. Zay Oni. Zay Oni. Zayoni, yeah. not Zaytoni. Nah, nah, nah. but Zay-toni? he's not from the West Coast. He's from the West Coast. Yo, Z. Sure. Coast? Yo, Z. Yeah. Let's call him Z. Zayoni. Yo, listen, man. Thanks for lacing lacing <laughs> us up. You know, the best thing that we ever get, man, is when y'all submit stuff to us from the heart, man. You know, that's that's the best shit ever, man. So I really, really respect that, man. I love all y'all niggas. Yeah, man. yeah. Everybody. Yeah. I love the entire. Who else we got to shout out? Nah, and uh, if you want beats from him, you can go to yaoza. hcom dot com. Yo, put some money in that man's pocket, man. Word. I mean, um, listen, Internets, we back. Um, focus. I'm so focused right now. Oh, Montreal. Montreal. When, when Montreal is locked in? Montreal has been locked in. September
1: 21st to the 25th, brother. Oh. Pop, the Pop Symposium. We flying out there? Yes, yeah, sir. We flying All three out Three of there. us? Well, we ain't <laughs> oh! <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yo, Internets, no we more, drove out to no New Orleans.
0: B-
1: <laughs> <laughs> we drove out to New
0: Orleans and drove back, man. I'm not gonna slander nobody in this Ooh. room, but one of us gets shaky behind the wheels. <laughs> <laughs> nah, don't even do it. <laughs> I didn't say nothing. I just say, listen, listen. Without further ado, man, I, I, this is one of my, my proudest moments, man. I felt like um, I was auditioning to get into the UK market. I personally feel that we, that we, as a collective, did a great job, and I got so much love for the for the UK. I know um, Tax Stone is coming out there in September. I kind of wanted to come back out there with him. But, but you know, I know Ill, if if Tag yo, Mena, make sure that, that Tax connects with Ill Will. Yeah, yeah, we will working, on, all it. The we're working on it. all the connections, Definitely. Uh, much love to, to the UK. Much love to everybody else out in Europe and, and across the globe that supports us. Be yeah. back home right now, man. We're about to clean up all this fuck shit. Uh, please enjoy the special um, live presentation with Kano. Um, special shout out to the Brooklyn Bowl London. let's go. Tune into the Combat Jack Show, CombatJackShow.com.
2: Without further ado, I have to welcome our guests, Combat Jack and Kano. Give it up. Give it up. Give it up.
1: (laughs) Internet.
0: I have my mic. Internet, what's up, y'all? Brooklyn Ball, what's up? Y'all got to give a round of applause, another round of applause to... DJ C, CJ. Yeah. Yo, what's up, Kano?
2: All good, all good.
0: How you guys feel? This is nice and intimate. So let's make this a very nice and intimate event. Um, I'm really honored to be here, man. Like, this, this is really my first time in the UK. Um, and in the significance of um, interviewing or having the opportunity to speak, to an artist that's been so um, instrumental in shaping or laying down the bricks and the foundation of what's popping here and, 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 and global right now is, is very humbling. So, you know, I, I really thank you for this opportunity,
2: you know, Kano. I appreciate it, man. Thank you.
0: Yeah. Thank you. So, so tell me, man, like, you know, I grew up in Brooklyn, New York, um, and you had said in some of your prior um, interviews that you kind of know how other cities look like based on the artist's that represent the borough. Like Jay Z has already done a good job of painting a picture of Brooklyn. You come from the ends. Can can you paint that story like about growing up and like what that meant to you growing up, man? What that environment was?
2: Yeah, the the environment is uh a big part of obviously who I am today. But as an artist, I think uh especially in you know, rap or whatever writing lyrics is an important part to, uh, your musical content. As you said, I listened to people like Jay Z before I ever been to Brooklyn and Biggie and, uh, I could start to see, um, you know, what, what it was like in their projects. I listened to Nas and he gave me insight into Queensbridge. Mr. Eminem, he gave me an insight into a different environment. And, um, yeah, we just do the same thing. You know, we talk about what we know. That's what, that's what artists do. That's what authors do. You know, authors always say when you write your first book, you write about what you know. Um, when you write your first album, you just speak about what you know. And mine was East London, East Ham in particular, Cannon Town. It's what we call the ends. And, um, Yeah, it's 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 played a big part in my career. Home Sweet Home, London Town, (laughs) Made in a Manor, you know what I mean? It's like a, yeah. (laughs) It's, uh, yeah, very important.
0: You know, when I listen to your music, like, you come off so smooth. Like, you come off so smooth. But then the, the, the instrumentals is just so hectic. It's so harsh, man. Can you talk about that juxtaposition between being a cool cat but the music being so hectic and urgent? Is that also kind of like translating what the environment was like?
2: Uh, Yeah, a lot of times the music does reflect um, the environment. Uh, Just the crazy sounds. I I remember uh, a song I got called Ghetto Kid and i just wanted to to put london into the instrumentation and i remember going out with fraser and just with a little tape recorder it was at the time before iphones you know and just like just putting a tape recorder out there and just filming the cars go by and the people speaking and everything and it was quite important to to get that down you know um but yeah, the, the juxtaposition and the I always went for the uh, the more interesting instrumentals. At the beginning, it was about just like hearing beats from producers and just choosing what you like. And I done some work with like Terror Danger. He his instrumentals was always a bit uh, you know different and wonky. And uh, another reason why I'm a big fan of Wiley. He's, um, like from Eskimo. His instrumentation was always different. Very different to Garage, you know, which is what, what kind of Grime came from. Um, Wookie was another producer. Very unique, uh, producer. Instrumentation. Um, Da Vinci, when we made P's and Q's, it was very different to what else was going on out there in Grime. Um, then met a guy called Mikey J. And, and I think we just both had a shared vision of what, what music should be. Um, and we just wanted to push boundaries, you know, to, to what anyone else had done in my scene prior to me. And, um, we had a real connection and we ended up making like the first, you know, like half of my first album. And, uh, it was songs like, uh, which the title track, Home Sweet Home. um, That were, yeah, you know, maybe sound normal, I don't know. But at at the time, it was just uh, different to what was going on. And I gravitated towards those kind of sounds and that uniqueness, Ghetto Coyote, songs like that. And, yeah, just, just, that's what I love to do.
0: You know, creating a new sound or, or being a part of a movement that's creating a new sound... Um, is it intimidating as well as a sense of certainty that it's going to hit or is it just like, this is a chance or this is a shot. This is like a gamble.
2: I like artists that push boundaries. I like artists that, um, take risks, are brave, don't try and fit in, um, do what comes naturally. But then go a bit further than that. Um, it's easy for me to do certain things. Spit on the type of beat that you hear on the radio all day and uh, just, you know what I mean? I do an eight bar here and let someone do the chorus and I do another eight bars and whatever. That's, that's not challenging enough, uh, for me. And I don't feel, that artists that do that last the test of time you know was talking upstairs about about jay-z and how long it took to convince people you know and little wayne i think he like album six started to like get really big and whatever and i think it's because they're unique so yeah at sometimes it it does feel like i don't don't know if people's gonna like this or i I, I don't know
0: so that is a real concern (laughs)
2: Yeah, but you just gotta go with your gut. You gotta follow your gut sometimes, and it's like, like when I'm a garage gang, I, I just used to play that at home and just, just, just like sing along and dance and just like you were free. Yeah, I just like for ages before I played it to anyone though, and then I thought, is this, is it good? Yeah, like, am I going mad? But then, um, <laughs> yeah, it. it It turned into one of those records that you know. Now, when I play at the shows, it's like one of the one of the biggest tunes. Even I go back to when we made P's and Q's. I've said it before. I'm after making that tune. I made I made P's and Q's and Brown Eyes in the same session. I think I made one of as well that made a B-side or something. And um, Da Vinci was like, "Love Brown Eyes, but P's and Q's." (laughs) Is what he said. He said. It's good, but it's not great.
0: P's and Q's?
2: <laughs> this is the, this is the producer we're talking about, DaVinci. Uh, and, uh. But
0: that was the record that <coughs> went on to really catapult your career.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, that's what he said. And I think it was just, it was just that, that unknown element that, I, I don't know, it's never really, you know what I mean? When you dropped P's and Q's
0: uh, seminal record, when did you realize that... I, I think we might have something here.
2: Um, P's and Q's wasn't even like an instant thing. It's like, it's crazy now. Um People look at that like a, you know...
0: Like as a touchstone, like as a groundbreaking moment. Yeah. Uh,
2: particularly in your career. Yeah, but actually... And a lot of people weren't there at the time. But actually at the time, it wasn't this immediate thing. It was a there was a little bit of, you know, hesitance. Oh, this is this ain't a grime record, this is like a da 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 and it's No, this ain't a hip hop record. So, you know what I mean? And why is he flowing like that? And it, you know, it was just a little bit of things surrounded it. And like Home Sweet Home, the album, it just took a while. It grew and grew and grew. It's like I said that's like a, a gold album, but it took a while to get there. Like, people forget that. Like, 18 months of, like, hard, hard, hard work.
0: Yo, tell us about your upbringing, man. You grew up in a, a Jamaican family.
2: Yeah. mum, was Jamaican, born in Jamaica. Um, came over around six years old. My nan came first and then sent for that's what Jamaicans call it, you know, sent for the children. <laughs> <laughs> sent for them. <laughs> like, sent for, you know. <laughs> yeah, like, my mom and brother came over around, I think, yeah, young, on a boat. On a boat? On a boat. From I, Jamaica? From Jamaica. I asked them how long it took. I I long it took ass. about, I think it took six weeks or something, something like that.
0: Y- y'all did have planes. We did have planes, though. <laughs>
2: yeah, there, there might have been planes, but <laughs> they didn't have planes. Um, yeah, they came into... They docked at Southampton, and then went to Cannontown, you know? So from Jamaica to Cannontown, you could just imagine the cultural shock. Interesting thing. this, <laughs> When they got here, I think maybe it was the day they got here or something, it was snowing and uh <laughs> they thought it was sugar <laughs> yeah i said yeah they just never ever seen this yeah white stuff before uh so yeah they they came and moved to east london and it was a very you know white area uh quite racist that like, they was the first Black family to move in the particular flats that they moved into. Uh, so obviously, you know, hard time, had to, in, you know, had to, to fight to make their way to, you know, they had to fight on their way to school just to get there, you know, just to go the shortcut. Right, right, right. You know, so, um, yeah, that's, that's the kind of family I'm coming from. Uh, quite a big family. My uncles were into, you know, music. They had a sound system. They played reggae all day in the house. They used to, you know, DJ. M- my uncle Eric was like the selector, and my uncle Everton, what they call him, Roman, He was the the DJ. What well, Jamaicans call DJs, the MC. So he was like the the MC. And um, yeah, I think I I took a lot of that on, you know, and. I think you hear it in my music, like my Jamaican roots, but then my firm East London roots. And that is just how my family is. So uh, my mum started taking me over to Jamaica with my family from, uh, I was about two or three years old or something. Used to go for like six weeks at a time. Just go over there like every every year, like for my whole life. And watch those guys and artists like Tiger and, I was like mad inspired by them. I used to go to like, uh, like mad um, stage shows just as a kid. I'd go to stage shows and just like watch them perform. And then. So music was in me, you know, but it wasn't until like getting a little bit older and getting into Garage and listening to Heartless Crew and then to Double E and, and people like that that I started to, you know, get involved myself.
0: What was the moment when you said to yourself, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life?
2: Uh,
0: I don't know if there was a... What is it what you want to do for the rest of your life? I don't know.
2: <laughs> I actually don't know. And the people that know me, they know I'm quite... Uh, yeah. I probably would never make a statement like that out loud at, you know, then. I want to be a this or I want to be, I've never really said that my whole life. Um, I just silently, uh, do what I want to do. <laughs> and, uh, I just started making music around 14 while I was at school. Um, left school, went to college. Still making music now, emceeing on the radio, the pirate radio's deja vu flavor and all that. And then um, I was gonna go to university and do graphics, but didn't. And just, uh, yeah, just carried on making tunes in my bedroom. It still wasn't like, I'm gonna be an artist, I'm gonna have an album out. It just, it was just, uh, that's what I was enjoying doing. So at the time, did you feel aimless?
0: Or you were just doing what came natural to you, but it didn't seem like it was a purpose
1: for what I was, you were doing.
2: I was, I was doing what came natural. It, there was a purpose in terms of it was fulfilling for myself and it was fun and creative and an outlet for me, but I didn't see it as a job. I didn't think it was going to lead to earning money or anything like that. It's something I probably would do if I had a job as a hobby. You know, like I'll play football now on Thursdays, I probably would just make music now on the weekend. Um, it's just something I think I would always do.
0: Did you have a job?
2: I never had a job.
0: Never had a job?
2: Nah never had a job
0: that's, that's fascinating
2: yeah I uh, I kind of convinced I convinced my local barbers that I could cut hair uh, that's a dangerous yeah, yeah that's dangerous bro I was like I could do that <laughs> he's like really oh yeah yeah he's like why don't you come and work here for a day <laughs> I went there I worked for half a day <laughs> I cut some kids here I fucking hairlined him up there <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was in there for about three hours and no one was coming to my chair and i see this kid walking i was like get over it yeah that was my last yeah
0: first day you grand opening and grand last, closing
2: yeah yeah grand opening grand closing what were some of
0: job. your influences coming from the stateside
2: my influences from over there was like uh buster rhymes um yeah. It makes sense now because, obviously, the Jamaican background, you know what I mean? Um
0: And the turn-up aspect, yeah. aspect also. Yeah, yeah. Us, the...
2: And it's high energy.
0: Chaotic, organized chaos.
2: Yeah. You know? It's only now I'm thinking, like, that makes sense. Uh Biggie Smalls, Jay-Z.
0: Biggie also because of the Jamaican, like...
2: Yeah, American,
0: yeah. but if you listen, yeah. you can hear that. Stop
2: your blood clot like, crying. crying yeah. the kid, the, you know what I mean? Uh... Nas is, like, one of my favorite of all time. Um, yeah, people like that. And then, aside from the rappers, like, Timberland, I think he was a big one as well. And that was at that time. But moving on from that time, Kanye West, Eminem, you know, Kendra LeBron.
0: You know, as you start to define yourself... You also want to see who's in your tribe. You also want to identify who's of the like mind, who's of the like spirit. Um tell us about, you know, when you and your crew established a nasty crew and what that meant to you.
2: Well, it was a crew that I I joined. Um
0: so they were already established.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. They was already established, like established locally. It was it was like Mac Ten, Marcus. Storming, Sharky Major, then, uh, maybe, maybe Armour came later. It was Double E, Monkey, myself, Ghetto, Armour, like in, yeah, kind of in that order. And, um, we were just a collective that enjoyed doing the same thing. Just emceeing, in love with the music, linked up every week, Monday, 8 to 10. And we had a, our radio show, and we used to do our clubs on the weekends, Palace Pavilion, Stratford Rex, EQ, those places. And, um, and yeah, and, and and from there, I think, uh, like, me and Ghetto kind of formed a bond and uh, a synergy, and yeah, we we collaborated more outside of that, and uh, yeah, then went on to do our own thing.
0: You know, when you talk about your earliest influences, you're talking about people that, you know, you're looking at the Jay Z's and the Biggies, or you know, the Tigers, and you're like, those guys are great, but those guys still aren't real to me. But you know, I, I read somewhere where you mentioned that you know one of your one of the guys that really influenced you locally was uh, the Dwe. And you saw him, and then you was like, "That guy was like a Jay Z to you in the, in, the, in the neighborhood." And then you guys clicked up. So, talk about you talk about performing. You're, you're, you guys are on the radio, but talk about the real work, like how you're around all of these guys that, you know, when you're young, you it's a it's a it's a silent competition with your peers, right? Yeah. Talk about the writing process and how important that was to you because you couldn't just write any old bullshit.
2: Well, I couldn't because I knew I had to turn up on Monday against all these other guys, you know? And I say against, but obviously we're, we're together, but you know, there's competition. Um, that's a big factor. So, you know, between from Tuesday and Sunday, I'll just be writing at home. Those times I used to write down on, in a book. I used to write in science class a lot. I should do that. Yeah, I used to write a lot in science.
0: Inspired by science, right?
2: <laughs> yeah. I just used to write, man. Sharky Major used to come to my house. He lived in Barkin when I was in East Dam, just up the road. And, and we just used to just write together. Something that never happens now, you know. But he just used to come over and we just write. Write lyrics. Lyrics, 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 lyrics. You know? Um, Make tapes in the bedroom. Practice. Go to the show. You know? Um, Perfect your skills. Hone your craft. We used to make tapes at a guy called Ginger's house in East Dam. Up the road, I used to bring D.W.E. there. Demon there. Um, D.W.E. left his lyric book there one day. And I... I looked after it for him. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't peek.
0: You really didn't peek a, a little bit?
2: He really writes, but b- b- by the way. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of bees. <laughs> yeah, he had like a, yeah, his lyric book was like massive, full and obviously he was the guy to me and just to see, physically see the work he puts in like inspired me on a on a whole nother level as well you know and i never wanted to turn up without a new lyric or less lyrics than the next guy or get a lesser reaction than the next guy like it was like
0: that was like life or death for you
2: yeah 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 i couldn't nah i couldn't sleep if i felt i had kind of half stepped it
0: were there any moments when you felt you half stepped it or were criticized for half half stepping
2: no not on the radio but i remember going to like Going to raves and like, uh, I, m- I remember not feeling like I had enough lyrics that people could sing along to, or what you know what I mean. I remember me and Sharky was real into like, um, like the intricate lyrics and the wordplay and whatever. And we found that when you go to the shows, it's like you might need something that people can catch on to, something simpler, something simple, you know. Like, I feel i've never felt i was great at that i feel like lethal was great at that pow yeah i'm lethal to be like wiley tiger the creep on a like a spider like he had like ones like that dizzy had some dwe um so that was I, that was back to the drawing board like sometimes just working in like still remaining me but working in some of some of those things, and I and I, I, felt like I never really had like a. I feel like I never really had a club tune like that until this album, until Garage Gang and Free Wheel-Ups.
0: At sixteen years old, you actually pen, and produce and release your first song, which is Boys Loves Girls.
2: Yeah, I think I, I was at fifteen.
0: Fifteen. Mm. Um,
2: and produced. And produce. Just saying.
0: What was the inspiration to, to actually write and craft a song? Because, you know, coming up in, 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 in hip-hop or coming up in in, in grime, when you're young, you're not really concerned about songs. You're really concerned about the performances. You're really concerned about, you know, like I said, impressing your peers. But what was it that hit you and said, you know what, let me start crafting actual songs, which is a whole different discipline?
2: Yeah. So, so for me... Um I was spending as much time uh, making songs as I was just writing lyrics for the radio. Uh, it was mad important to me, something I loved doing, something that probably separated me from a lot of other people at the time. Uh, yeah, different discipline. Um, yeah. yeah.
0: It's harder to write a song, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Structure comes into play. Hook. Uh, yeah subject matter comes into play hooks come into play obviously production um but it was yeah, it was just something that i felt was necessary to be an artist and that's what beanie man and that was doing and budge banton and Bounty Killer and those guys, I feel like they always had, like... Yeah, they go on Sting and do their show and get Reload and blah, blah, blah. But they always had, like, songs and hooks and...
0: That were on the radio or, that, or on videos or whatever.
2: Yeah. And um there was very few guys at the time making making tunes. Even when, like, Wiley wasn't even making that much songs, you know? Uh Dizzy was always making songs from the beginning. Uh... And lethal b was always making songs from the beginning, and yeah, I was in it to be an artist, not just like a rave MC or something.
0: You know, I you know I listened to the record recently, and it's a good record. It, like it stands the test of time. When you finish writing that record, like when you finish what, what, what record? It, Boys loves girls. Oh, okay, okay. You know, it 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 doesn't say. I mean, it's it's a dated record, but it's mm. still it's the song structure mm. is very intact. Was that a sense of an accomplishment for you, or was it like, no, I got to do more?
2: After that? After you wrote that record. Oh, after that, it was, I oh, definitely got to do more. Cause when that when that came out on my album, the white label would have been out for ages.
0: Did it have any traction at the time?
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We sold like a couple white labels that we pay tax on, 100% pay tax, definite, at 14. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it was, yeah, it's, it's the record that really bust me in, you know, in a small scale. And when it came to the album, I didn't want to put it on the album. I remember Wiley calling me, bro, you got to put that on the album, bro, you got to put that on the album. And Richard, my manager, he kind of was saying, nah, you gotta put this on the album. I ended up putting it on like a, as a bonus track or something. It was like the very last. Yeah, yeah, bonus yeah. Track, yeah. It was a bonus. Um, so yeah, I think that just, that shows I'm, I'm I'm onto the next straight away. Right. With, with everything. You know what I mean? With everything. I'm always like, okay, the next thing now. You know? After the album, I had the next one now. I never look back, uh, yeah, I don't, yeah. yeah, I don't listen to that song. I don't really listen yeah. to the albums Keep moving that. forward. Yeah.
0: You know, um, in the 1980s, a little older than you guys, but in the 1980s, um, house music was very big in the States. Um, mm-hmm. Very big here, too, um, but particularly in Chicago and New York City. And um, I was very fortunate enough to hang out at this legendary club called the Paradise Garage with Larry LeVan. Um, and then seeing, you know, just, you know, at that time, being very much a club kid, being very much into house music, but at the same time, like I could switch that off. It wasn't even a switch. It was a seamless relationship between house music and hip hop. It was like kind of like, like cousins in terms of what the genres were. So as the as the, as that genre continues to evolve um, and migrate, and when it comes here, it becomes garage, right? That's how you guys pronounce it, right? Garage, right? <laughs> right? Yeah. You were very much a part of that scene also. You were like a, you were part of the, the, the people that created the entertainment, but you were also part of, like, you were a club kid at that at that point, right?
2: Yeah, I was going out. Like, I kind of got involved at the tail end of Garage, um, in terms of, like, MCing and done some, done some, um, like club nights and whatever. Like, emceeing at clubs. But I was, like, massively into Garage. Like, that's, that's kind of our, you know, like our revival, like, our parents would listen to reggae at a party and go, man, like, even now at parties, like, when we play Gary, it's like, <laughs> it's a madness. Um, massive, massive fan of, uh, you know, the EZs as, as a DJ, the the Wookiees and MJ Coles as producers, and the Heartless Crew as, like, um, you know, MCs and like Mighty Mo in particular is one of like my favourite MCs of of all time. But yeah, Garage is definitely a, a major, major influence of in my career. And you I think you hear that in my first album as well. Um with like if Nobody Don't Dance No More tunes like that. It's definitely um, influenced by Garage. Hey, yo,
0: internets, this week's episode of the Combat Jack Show is brought to you specifically by Loot Crate. Loot Crate offers a monthly subscription box service that brings you the best in geek pop culture gear. Whether it's comic books, games, movies, or TV, Loot Crate has you covered with the latest swag to make sure your Greek cred is legit. And they guarantee $40 plus in value inside of every crate. Sometimes it's even more. Every month there's a brand new theme. And the items in the crate are curated around that month's theme. Join Loop Crate right now to celebrate the futuristic. They've packed July's crates with items from some of pop culture's favorite prognostications of science and beyond. Look towards tomorrow with items from Rick and Morty, Futurama, Star Wars, Mega Man, Valiant Comics, and Star Trek. Including a model, a figure, and don't forget our monthly tea and pin. Remember... You have only until the 19th, which is today, at 9 p.m. Pacific, to subscribe and receive that month's crate. And when the cutoff happens, that's it, B. It's over. It's a wrap. Did you hear me? The 19th is today. Get your Loot Crate today by going to lootcrate.com slash combat and enter code combat, C-O-M-B-A-T, to save $3 on your new subscription. Listen, fan bros, fan bros, get it. Get this Loot Crate. And now back to the show. How ill was a DJ Easy party? Like how ill was it? Who DJ EZ? Like how how ill was it? DJ EZ EZ. Yeah, is it
2: EZ? <laughs> yeah, EZ. <laughs> <laughs> Easy. <EZ. laughs> nah, he, he was. I'm a yank. <laughs> yeah. Nah, he, he's um. Yeah. He's God. <laughs> He's the best. He's, like, super, super, super good. So he done something recently where he DJ for, like, was it 24 hours or something like that? For, for cancer, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, nah, EZ is um is the guy. And even before that, he used to, like, do raves where he was the only DJ. He used to play all night, play for eight hours in ministry at New Year's Eve and all that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah, EZ was, like, um. Super, super good DJ, yeah. and is sorry. Um,
0: how influential was DJ Sparks to you?
2: Sparks, Sparks and Kai. Um, yeah, like listen to those guys. Uh, flying high that tune. Yeah, big tune. You know what I mean? But there was a lot a lot of uh tunes like that from the garage scene. Um. Yeah, that that's like they got some classic songs, man.
0: I was listening to this um Sidewinder piece with you. It was DJ DJ Cameo. Oh
2: yeah, 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 yeah. It was
0: from O four. Is that a slice of what like for for somebody that never really experienced Garage mm. was that was like was that a was that a, a perfect example with, of that of what that was?
2: Yeah, but that was probably beginning of what they call what grime is now and the tail end of garage but that is like sidewinder was the that was the rave you know what do you have in tunnel in new york yeah Where a lot of hip-hop acts yeah you know like if you perform there is a serious thing yeah i mean if you you can establish if
0: you were if you were able to go into the tunnel and make the stage without getting stabbed yeah. <laughs> and then you rocked the show and you were be able to leave without yeah. getting killed. Yeah, yeah. That was a big th- that was a big success for you.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Was it that dangerous though?
2: Um some places. Not necessarily every sidewinder, but definitely yeah, some some sidewinders and some like Palace Pavilion and those places. It's nothing we really thought about. Like thinking back now. Why would you do that? Why would you put yourself in? <laughs> Like, for 30 quid or whatever, was getting paid. Um, but, yeah, violence was a factor, but we just used to love music so much. We just wanted to be where it was at, you know?
0: Regardless what the risk was. Yeah,
2: Tottenham. Isn't that beautiful, Northland.
0: though? I mean, I'm, not, I'm, I'm glad that um, society has changed, quote, unquote, and that things are relatively safer. But I remember, like, the early days of hip-hop, you know, I would sneak out, so I would risk getting my ass beat, right? Number mm. one. And then when I would get to the club or the park jam, and you you didn't know what could pop off, so you knew you're risking your life, but you could not deny the pull yeah. of what that vor culture was providing to your soul at the time.
2: Yeah, you had to be there. Had to be there. And um, going to MC at places like that, and getting the reloads and getting a good reaction or whatever, and... They used to make, I don't know if this ever happened in Latin America, but they used to make tape packs from all of those raves. So they would tape every set and then press them in like nice packaging and whatever, and then sell uh, the tape packs. You might like get eight in a set. So, uh, you know, so even if you weren't at the rave, you like, you knew, like as an MC, you knew that was going to travel. So you wanted to, you know, have a good set. And yeah, those stages made a lot of people. I think Eskimo Dance was one of the one of the other dances as well and uh, Last Man Standing and they had a under eighteen version called Young Man Standing. Like those rays were like really key to um us breaking, you know, as artists.
0: So when does the formation <clears throat> pardon me? When does the formation of grime start taking place? You know, because I read that mm. Garage didn't, wasn't really too accepting of that offshoot. And then hip hop. So G- Garage yeah. was like, this is not Garage enough. Mm. And hip hop was like, this is not hip hop enough. So when, like, how, is it, is it a plan that you, um, Dizzy, you know, um, Lethal, you know, Wiley, is it a plan or is it just synchronicity that you guys really just start creating on a whole different level?
2: Yeah, I think we just, Yeah, it was never spoken about. It was never planned. It wasn't like Wiley called a meeting and was like, we're going to do this thing. We're
0: about to revolutionize this whole thing. Yeah, yeah.
2: It's like, yeah. (laughs) That never happened. But in the movie, Wiley would be calling the the meetings. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It was definitely, I credit a lot to Wiley with creating that sound. I think people like Sticky was kind of in the middle, you know, Uh, making music that was quite different to what Garage was at the time, but not quite different enough to call it something else. For me, when Wiley made Eskimo, is when it clearly wasn't garage, although we didn't have a name for it. Um, hence the song. What'd you call it? Garage. What'd you call it? Two step. What'd you call it? Um, but yeah, those were the first things to, you know, be something that was something different than garage, and then turn into grime. And I reckon that was around two thousand and. Two ish, yeah, around two thousand and two, three.
0: Who can be credited as coining the term grime specifically?
2: I don't know, but I remember we didn't like it at the time. You didn't like it? Nah, Why not? Nah, we didn't like it. It was like, nah, you, you can't, you can't. You know, we didn't, we don't accept that name. We don't, you know, we didn't approve that. But I guess who makes up names for anything, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah, who called it? reggae or who called it hip-hop it's probably never the artist right um but yeah things need a name to help you know
0: so how did it start sticking like how did the name when did you say fuck it i'm a i'm a grime artist
2: i still haven't ever said that you've never said that (laughs) (laughs) nah nah i i uh i kind of stayed away from calling myself things like that you know and um I felt like that was, like, too boxy, you know.
0: Marginalizing.
2: Yeah, I just wanted to be, you know, I do me. I'm, I can make what music I want. And, uh you know, it doesn't have to be 140 BPM and it doesn't have to have this kind of sound, you know. So if I want to make layer cake, I can, you know, that's, like, slower than grime or whatever you know yeah so i i i for one never never like to call myself a grime whatever see.
0: so as you guys start to branch out and you guys start creating music that sounds different from 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 garage mm. what's the response do you notice is in the movie is yeah. it a revolution of the kids like yeah we are fucking with these new guys right now like was it like that or or was it instantaneous?
2: Um, yeah, it was like the the kids was on on side, you know, because garage was like, um, like they they drew at the time like drew an an older audience, you know, um, like garage garage was like you get dressed to go to garage raves and trousers and Gucci loafers and shirt and you drink champagne and it was one of them things but grime was like yeah you just track suit and you just dress you know i mean dress down and yeah it was a track suit hoodie cap uh trainers thing you know like jungle was like a off-key machino iceberg history thing you know it's like our, our thing was, um, yeah, like, tracksuit, hoodie thing. So, was it in a sense? The kids that was on it. The kids was on it.
0: Was it in a sense like a new form of hip hop as opposed to a new form well, of.
2: Well, well I, I think it, it uh, it's closer to, like, now looking at it, like it's closer to hip hop than, than it is to garage, yeah. It's
0: hip hop. To my eye, it, it is obviously hip hop
2: yeah to me and i think there's elements of it that i think is uh just like dancehall that was of course yeah. at the time when we was doing the sidewinders and every mc spitting on the same beat and we had our versions and we used to get reloads that's very dancehall to me and not so hip hop um so i think it's like a combination of dancehall and and hip hop uh yeah, but but now I speak to a lot of people and they're like, that's just like a, it falls under the umbrella of, of hip hop, man. Yeah. Mm.
0: Another record that was um, important for you and for your career was uh typical me.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. How,
0: how autobiographical uh, autobiographical was that record? How truthful was that <laughs> record, man? How <laughs> you know, rude were you in the clubs, my dude? <laughs> do you
2: know, no, do you know, it's quite um, it's funny that record because.
0: It's I like. Love the yeah, video, it, by the way, the video's.
2: Yeah, I haven't seen that in a long time, I, I remember. The headlock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the headlock. That, yeah. <laughs> it's a funny record, but it's like quite. Oh, I've got a scar. Where is it? There or there? Where is what, it? The scar? On my eyebrow. There. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that was in. That inspired that song. <laughs> that was a bouncer situation. And, um, yeah, just put that, put that into the music. But. That was an important record for me, I think, because that was my second single after P's and Q's. Um it was like electric guitar, live music with beats, uh, you know, quite alternative, different to what was going on. And Pop, um a
0: poppier version of y- Yeah. What you guys were creating at the time.
2: Yeah, and I think that uh kind of it It was me saying this is this is who I am, and don't expect me to be one thing, and I like to experiment, and I'm not going to do what you think I'm going to do, and you know I like live instrumentation, and this is what i you know did you want to do did then. you get
0: any any um criticism from your peers or at least from your from your, from your close peers like no, I don't think so. Right.
2: I think it was, um, yeah, it, it, it was cool, man. It was like, yeah, it, it was all good. It was all good. I think I was just setting out what kind of artist I am, you know? And, and I just, I love to, I love to experiment. Um, yeah, I linked up with Fraser for that record. Fraser T. Smith and that was like that's the first tune we made. And yeah, man, I, I just love I just love music, you know what I mean? So I'm in a studio and he's got like instruments and he plays a guitar and I was like, Yeah, show me that, you know what I mean? And he pulled out an MPC, I've never seen one before. Yeah. Yeah. And um, heard about it, but you never saw yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, I've never seen it before. Right. What was it? I forget what it was it two thousand, maybe? Uh and I just started doing the beats, because prior to that, I was just doing beats on, um, just painting them in on Cubase or using a keyboard. So I just jumped on the MPC, he jumped on the, you know, electric guitar, and we just made made that tune. And to me, that's, that's fun to me. That's magic, you know.
0: Your first album, Home Sweet Home, um, you were 20 years old when that record came out?
2: Uh, yeah, I think so. I think I was... Tw- yeah, nineteen or twenty when it dropped, I think. Yeah,
0: is that when it became like, oh, this is really real. This is a career now. Because crafting an album yeah. is different from crafting songs, and even though you were selling records, like when did it become? Like when did it become your career?
2: Probably then. Yeah, because I, I signed. A, I think I signed a deal when I was, might have been on my nineteenth birthday. I remember it on your birthday. Mm, my birthday.
1: That's
0: a great birthday gift.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's cool. And then, uh, we, oh, why are you laughing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, it took about, you know, it took a little while. I, I had, I had a lot of tunes. Like, prior to signing that, I had Home Sweet Home, P's and Q's, sometimes, uh, what was that? The, the Terror Danger tune. Um, I had about s- seven tunes, maybe.
0: So it didn't take you that long to complete the album.
2: Not not too long, no, no. Um, yeah, so I, after that, I made like typical me and Signs in Life and Night Night and like you know Reloaded and um, Crazy
0: Beat Reloaded, Crazy Beat.
2: That mm, was Diplo. Yeah, that was, yeah, yeah, was Diplo. Yeah, <laughs> Diplo. Crazy Beat people uh, keep working with me then winning Grammys after me
0: <laughs> <laughs> work with him Fraser work Diplow, with
2: him. Paul Lepworth, just saying
0: but, but, did, but did it become different did it become work now because you know it's a difference when you have your hobby your hobby yeah, is special yeah. for you because there's no rules there's no limits you know you, you create the discipline because you want to create it but now it's a serious business you just got to check to record an album yeah. Does that take the fun out of it a little bit? Nah,
2: that was like I could get studio time when I wanted like it was just still fun because I was, you know, I had to finish off the album and I'm like a studio guy, so I could as you know, I could make an album for six years or something. Um but it probably wasn't work until promoting the album. Press and you know, doing all that stuff. You know, it it was cool. The, the shows were fun. I went on tour with Mike Skinner. Um, I done my own UK tour. It it was work, but it was um. Yeah, it was let's, still fun. Let's
0: talk about working with going on the road with Mike Skinner. Yeah, the streets. Like how like how influential was he
2: to you? Yeah, he was because very... he had
0: he had a huge impact on the scene.
2: Huge, huge, huge impacts, you know, and it's still felt now. He's probably, yeah, one of the most influential artists on my my career. Going on tour with him was like a mad experience. Obviously, the first time I've been to like a lot of these places and...
0: Seeing a different audience?
2: Different audience and getting to watch him and what she show and it just taught me a different level of uh performance and artistry and how you could be creative on stage and
0: specifically what were some of the things that you were picking up to entertain because you had, you had already been trained on your own to to to, to rock a rave yeah. but now you're at in, in front of a, an audience some of them who argue arguably might not know who you are. Like, what did you pick up specifically from Mike in terms of how to entertain different crowds?
2: It's the way he commanded the stage. Obviously, you know, it helps when you, most of the audience know your songs, but he had a live band and, you know, he's not one of them artists like, yeah, 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 whatever, but it just felt like he was always in control and so composed and the music was just a... Uh, So great anyway, but just like elevated to another level, um, at the show. And he always made me want to like have a band and incorporate instrumentation in my music. And like it was, it definitely inspired me in that way. And then just seeing the level of professionalism because it was like, you know, it wasn't just a laugh. It was, you know, a laugh after the show sometimes, but it was like turn up and sound check and like so much work. different people it was, it working work. and Yeah, like, you know.
0: So many different moving pieces yeah, that he was on like, top of.
2: Yeah, it's just a whole different uh machine, in it, when you're on tour. And um I just wanted to wanted to do it. I just wanted to do it on that scale. And uh yeah, and then then just like musically, like and lyrically, the guy's a poet, man. It is poetry, right? He's a, po- he's, he's a poet, and uh, got classic albums. And I just think he's like super sick.
0: Yeah, um, you paying homage to him on BBC Radio One when you performed. Has it come to this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What did that mean to you? Like, like doing a song of his in your own version.
2: It was a. Uh, it was... I just wanted him to like it. You know what I mean? I just wanted him to like it, man. I Did think he like I, it? I think I sent him... I sent him a... I think I sent him it when we were done it in rehearsals. You know what I mean? And he's been... He's been cool to me. Like, to me. i, I done a show of him last week. Um, and, you know what I mean? He always shows me love and that. And... You know, he's a fan of the music and whatever, but I, I don't think he knows sometimes, like how, <laughs> like how much he means to, like not me and like a lot of other people from, like my scene. Uh, I don't, I don't even know if he knows, but he, he's one of them guys. It's like, again, it's just like forward.
0: You know, getting to this point, you talked about experimenting. You know, with different genres, like with, with rock and with guitars and the whole nine. Um, and sometimes you might experiment with something and be proud that you experimented, but realize that it wasn't really for you. You know, when I, when I listen to Made in the Manna, right? When I listen to Made in the Manna, you sound as if this is the definitive Kano. This is, this is, and in 2016, you are so comfortable in your skin. But as you were trying other skins, can you talk about how that experimentation confirmed who you are in 2016? You you know what I mean?
2: Yeah, I think think that's important. And I think um, every artist goes through that. And every artist has to go through that in order to know who they are. You know? It's like you... It's... uh, It's like, how do I explain it? Like, Just like how you said it. It's like, you don't know it's not for you until you try it. Um, Sometimes it's hard to balance what you want to do and what people want you to do. I think sometimes as an artist, you have to say, I don't care what you want me to do. This is what I want to do. But I think there's also something about being an artist that you have to know what's necessary to do at that time. And when you hit the nail on the head and hit the sweet spot, it's just... It's
0: that much more satisfying, right?
2: Yeah, it's just, it's just perfect. But that sweet spot can't be hit all the time. Um,
0: because you have to cons- consistently, especially move when the you're a, yeah,
2: especially when you're an artist that does you that does your own thing like that does it all yourself, you know it's not like I'm in a studio with a with twenty songwriters and you know all these singers, and them everyone's throwing it out it's like with me it's not like that it's more of a solitary experience or I'm working with one person or you know what I mean. Um. And you get things wrong, and you get things right, and that's just the journey. That's the journey, man.
0: What glove did you try on and distinctive, distinctively remember? That's not me.
2: I I think. I think I've got even like on on every album I've got songs that. I. Liked at the time, but don't like now, or songs that yeah are, are dumb, but maybe you know people liked it more than me, and it was like I kind of got, you know what I mean? Like maybe I should go with this or whatever. And um, yeah, sometimes you do things for the for the wrong reasons. I think people's gonna like this, you know, and and you try and second guess right. people and. And then you've got times where you compromise a little bit uh, and then you end up kind of no one ends up winning because you're not really in love with it. And then if it doesn't really work, it's like I might as well have failed on my own terms, you know what I mean? So, you, you know, you go through. If you're fortunate enough to have a career in this game, you would go through that at some point.
0: And, and be able and you, to bounce back.
2: And you probably still... Well, if you're if you're talented enough, I think you can you can bounce back. You know what I mean. Um, Sometimes it's but sometimes it's not meant to be. Um, You know. But yeah, I think I've been fortunate enough to be around for a minute. Um, It's still a constant thing, like working out what you want to do and and maybe i want to do something different on my next album you know i don't know i don't know how i'm gonna feel and i will follow that you know instinct and gut but uh you're right for this record i feel like this is me this is what i wanted to say today you know and it's not all you know, some people know me for certain tunes and it's like, this has still got a variety of tunes on it, this album, and, you know, from Gary Gang to Roadman's Hymn, which is one of my favorite songs off for of the album, and ends and, and tunes like that. I think it's just the honesty. People know that this is what I want to do. You can hear it. It sounds different. When you hear a tune, you, you, you can just know you love that. It's like even some artists that you don't like, or some songs you don't like, you can appreciate, no, no, no. He's in love with that. It's not for me, but he... That artist. Yeah. He's being himself and true to himself. And I feel like I'm being extremely true to myself. Brutally honest. And just real on this record.
0: You know, ironically, this album sounds like you went on the road. You left home sweet home. You went on the road, you traveled, you learn all these experiences, and now you're back to home sweet home. Yeah. Would would you would you agree that it feels like you're back home, especially with the the sonic elements of like core grime, but also where grime is in twenty sixteen, like like catching up to where it is right now. But it never left you.
2: Yeah, yeah. I feel definitely. I remember sitting down with Fraser at the well, it wasn't really the Beginning of the process of making the album, but it was the beginning of what the album is today. You know, because I worked for like a year before meeting him, and like that stuff kind of got scrapped, and then we kind of started again. Um, I was gonna say with the exception of a couple records, but now with the exception of no records, we kind of started again. And he was like, "And like, we done like the first sessions were just we didn't make no music, we just spoke." we're just talking and then he said this interesting thing where he's like on your first album your your world was so small because you only knew what you knew that the music could be so diverse you know because the lyrics kept it here so now you've experienced so much and you travel so much and you've got so much more stories to tell and you know a wealth of knowledge and like and you you know your world is now like this so we have to really think about zoning that music in to give it the the continuity so then it was really important to you know uh limit ourselves to certain sounds and the 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 piano is very important to the consistency of this record, whether it be the piano from deep Blues to Drinking in the West End to a roadman's hymn. It plays a big part, you know the instrumentation and just having that common thread because I've got so much more stories to tell.
0: This album is your most personal and your most honest. Um, and you share things on the album with an audience mm. that most people wouldn't, like the song Strangers. You're sharing something that's personal to you
2: yeah.
0: with strangers. Like, how do you get to that point when you want to talk about a relationship with one of your closest friends that has gone dead and she put that on a public stage? Like, how, how frightening is that, man?
2: uh what was i don't think it's it's not frightening to do it's frightening to release uh for me it was like
0: Repeat to do it but then do you pull the trigger when it comes out to-
2: <laughs> yeah it's a lot of that it's like should i put this song out and I, I remember going to play it to um my cousin uh just d and he was like ooh. You're saying a lot on this I played in like a few tunes It's like oh, You sure you want that out there? You know questions that, that didn't help right? Questions are gonna come And I was like I know but I feel like I'm, uh, I feel like I'm not being a true artist If I Hold Back Especially something that I've already You know Put out That's already come out of me
0: You've already created
2: it Um it's a mind thing, but it feels like you're not being a true artist if you don't, you know, release this. And yeah, so some things were, you know, like Little Sis and shit, like, it, it was a bit, uh, like, whoa, it's just real, real true stuff, um, from the heart. But I got to a point where, like, halfway through the down where it was just like, I might as well. I might as well go all the way. Might as well go all the way. And I feel better for doing it. I feel songs so much better for doing it.
0: Has your boy reached out to you? Did he hear the record?
2: Yeah, he rang me when the album come out. He what? He rang me when the album come out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We spoke for like. Hang going the front. I know the time. but ninety three minutes.
0: Ninety three minutes, <laughs> an hour and a half. How did yeah. that feel? Like, like, the, like? How long had you not spoken? Uh, to him how many years
2: like yeah years i know i say in the third verse like i see him in a club one time but like he like, is yeah but he had done all that the skinner tours and all that with me you know what i mean from like beginning but we used to go to play scheme together play district football under 11s and blah 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 um yeah then he he <laughs> 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 found me when he <laughs> <laughs> he he uh his mum <laughs> his mum texted him or phoned him and said, "You need to call your friend <laughs> yeah.
0: she heard the record first or
2: i, I don't know if she heard it or right. maybe her daughter told her or what i don't know but um or like someone told her whatever and could he sent me a text of like a plaque uh, i don't know if his mum sent him that text or he sent me that text um of the home sweet home gold plaque up at his mom's house and he was like um like i still would never take this down and you know what i mean like because he's on the album and that he's like no nah, man it's it's all love and that's still up in my mom's house and i love you man yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all of them things there <laughs> but yeah nah so uh yeah, it's like this as I say this this record is like um it's it's a real living thing with moving pieces and it's real. You know, it's 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 not as, just yeah. you
0: creating but it's you communicating. You did the same thing with little sis, which are which are And it can which change my life, in. yeah. yeah. Has it? that had an impact on your family? Like with your sister, with your father, like has that
2: Well, yeah. Yeah. In a good way. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah, definitely. Made connection and yeah, something to something to build upon, you know. Um Yeah, it's it's mad in that way. Music is like so powerful. You know? And yeah. As I said, I, I feel I feel better for for doing it. Feel but it's, lighter. It, it's definitely a record that it it means so much to me, but even so much more to me because you know, I don't even think the record, like it, it's it's done more than please the ear. It is uh yeah, changed my life in a small way, not in a big way.
0: What happened to Wiley on the album, man?
2: Wiley, like he's, he's credited on the wheel ups. He's on the album, but not on the on the wheel ups. Like the he's video. credited
0: on it. Yeah, what's, 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 what, what happened, man? Because people like <laughs> ask Kano, man, where's Wiley, man? got to write another record to him? Like, what's going on, <laughs> man? <laughs> uh,
2: Wiley's good, man. Wiley's good. Y'all, y'all good? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Nah, Wiley's uh Yeah. Nah, but yeah, he, he just didn't do the video. But he was in Cyprus at the time, and it's like, whatever. Communication, and... Yeah, but... I don't know. One day, I just I want to perform that record with like Wiley and Giggs. I've done it with Giggs a few times. Giggs um,
0: murders that record,
2: beat. yeah, murders. I was in Amsterdam on my tour, and Wiley was there, and we still didn't do the record. <laughs> 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 but yeah, one day, one day. But no, no, it was definitely a um like when when you when I start records and whatever, I write down people that I want to work with and. And the list just gets shorter and shorter and shorter you know in terms of like who you think's right once you start making the music and gigs was on there from the beginning and um and Wy wiley was on there as well so to do a song like that which is one, you know i think one of my favorites one of my favorites to perform um that i have with those two who i think are real pioneers in their field you know, Wiley for Grime and Giggs for Hip Hop, like in the UK, uh, was was a real moment for me.
0: You know, as an American and really learning more about the culture, um, this is England blew me away. Oh yeah, because it's it's such an uh, an anthem, anthemic type song. Um, how what's the response to that song here? Because to me, it's like this, this record is massive.
2: Yeah, um, I think that record, like, taking it on the road and going on tour, I felt like that record was the one that it grew every night, you know. Um, and this was before, like, doing a video and stuff for it. But it's, yeah, it's it's definitely got something about it that makes you, you know, proud to be, British in a non-UKIP way.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Internets! This week's episode of the Combat Jack Show is brought to you by Spotify Discover Weekly. Your Discover Weekly playlist is 30 songs you didn't know you loved yet. You get a brand new, unique playlist every Monday. The playlist is personalized based on your music taste. Discover Weekly is like that throwback crush, cutting you a new mixtape every single week, all because they want you to hear the music you're going to love. Don't forget to save your favorite tracks on Sundays before your playlist refreshes. Go to Spotify.com slash Discover Weekly now to get your playlist, and make sure you tweet us at CombatJackShow and Combat underscore Jack to tell us about your playlist. Listen... Go to Discover Weekly Spotify to get the hottest things out right now. Make sure your tunes are in effect, fresh and warm. And now back to the show. I saw this clip of you uh, recently where you murdered Charlie Sloths, Jeez. fire in the booth, murdered, right? And then I started reading the comments, and the, the one comment that 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 stood out was this kid is like, "Kano, you are the king." <laughs> of grime, when you hear things like that, how does that make you feel?
2: No, it makes me feel good, man. It's like, you know, it's, it's cool.
0: Are you being it's modest?
2: Cool. Yeah. Yeah. But do you feel that though? Like, it's my, cause I'm like, I'm just, like, I still see, you know, I still look up to people, man, like crazy. I still, like, these, like, like D doubles. He's the guy to me. Wiley is like something else as well. But um, yeah. So I'm I'm not one to you know give myself titles and stuff. But that verse was all right, though. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah.
2: That <laughs> was all right. <laughs> Do you get possessed when you when you
0: get in that zone man like is it i mean I know it's talent and it's the discipline and the, the repetitiveness, but do you lose is it like an out of body experience when you just go so rapidly and on point relentlessly
2: how, uh, how long
0: was that like like twelve thirteen fourteen minutes
2: <laughs> yeah, it's a long it was a long verse uh I don't know it's just. It's like creation, practice and execution. And and practice is the most important part I think. Cause uh Yeah, I wrote that and um I just like I don't know, everyone's that you know you can do a fire in the booth and whatever, like for years and years like I'm like nah just Weren't into it, I don't know, just for you some reason. You didn't want to do it? Yeah, but not, not for any reason, just like, first it's like, oh yeah, like, whatever, then it's like, oh, I'll do fine booth, now it's like, well, just, it's getting on my nerves now, you know what I mean? Stop asking me to do this thing. So what? <laughs> Spit on a beat. It's like, I don't know, I just, <laughs> just didn't inspire me right. to, do that or i would like to prove myself or whatever I don't was know. it that was
0: it like i don't have to prove myself well, not,
2: not it, it got there you know what i mean it was like every time like why don't you do a find a booth why then it was like disrespectful now like shut up <laughs> telling me to do something <laughs> no and then, and then we, we was we was out one night uh we done this this is going to sound like fucking Grime Christmas dinner, by the way. It was like <laughs> me, r- Giggs, Ghetto, Wretch, Chipmunk, Tinchy, uh, other, sneakball. <laughs> uh, we had this dinner that Giggs organized because he thinks he's like. For Christmas? It was at the end of the year. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, probably just before Christmas. You
0: gave each other gifts? <laughs> <laughs>
2: No, but what we did give each other was a hard time about not doing fire in the booth or something. So (laughs) like we was all there chatting and then ghetto's come up for no reason. Like he's my mate as well. And he knows what I'm about and he's coming like, ain't it funny that one person here has not done fire in the booth (laughs) and he walks off off. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) that then he was off. I'm like, what are you talking to? And then, and then Giggs was like, yeah, why you done that? Nah, man must be scared. <laughs> and at this point, I know they're winding me up, and I'm not, I'm trying not to like bite or you know what I mean? Trying not to rise to it. Bashy was there as well. And uh then he's like, I'm like, wait, hang up, hang up. Hey, do you lot think? That I can't fucking spit on a beat or something. <laughs> what? You think you can, could you spit on a beat? That's good. Like, whatever. Like, da, da da Nah, then Giggs said, do you know what? Thinking about it, man ain't even done a Westwood or none like that. <laughs> then, <laughs> then Retch was like, I'm telling you the host that, then like, Retch come to my defense was like, nah, 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 he, he done a Westwood, he's definitely done a Westwood. Then Giggs was like, nah, man, Google it. Google it. I was <laughs> like, this is so disrespectful right now. <laughs> motherfucker googled it as well like he like he googled it and he was like all right all right all right, all right you done that <laughs> that
0: was a long time ago
2: yeah these time ghetto was left and still he's not even come back like just like lit the flame and fucked off so um i'm like cool it's like whatever it's died down everyone's like chilling but it's burning me now then I think they got through yeah yeah then i went then me and bashi went to a next party and they went wherever. And, like, it was on the way. It was driving, like, on the way to the party. And I was like, it was just silent for a minute. And I was like, I said, you know what? I'm not having that. <laughs> <laughs> so I must have ran gigs on loudspeaker <laughs> And I was like, nah, do you know what? Like, to put some respect on my name a little bit. I swear I said it first. I said it first. <laughs> I must have said it first. I was like, nah. And he's like, nah, and he's, like nah, I'm just saying, like, blah, 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 like. Know what I mean? Why don't you Why don't you do one another and I was like, whatever. At this point, I'm like, ah, fuck it, whatever. I swear. From then, I knew I was doing it. I knew I was doing fine. The boot. I said, I right, I'll do it around when the album comes out or something. And then my my manager Richard and Tanya, to be fair, was like always oh, every week, like. Oh, you're gonna do a fire in the booth, like almost like it's a part of the marketing plan and whatever. Right, and right, that made right. me not want to do it even more because right, right. I'm not gonna do it for that reason. I know why I'm doing it. You right. know, what I mean, it's not, it's not for that and views and all this kind of thing. So I started just. I wrote like one line, and I was like, oh, "Cool." Then just every day, I was just like adding to it, and added a bit more to it, and then that, that's that's that's. How it kind of stuck in my head, you know, like that kind of long verse. I was just adding to it bit by bit, and then when anyone asked me, I would say like no, but I know myself, I'm I'm creating it. And then uh, the album came out. I think yeah, I think the album came out, and I done it on like the Tuesday or, so, or something like that. And I said I right, I'm ready, let's do it. And they was like, nah, no, you. I think it has to be on a Saturday or something or whatever. And I said, no, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it now. And then I, I just went up there. And, uh, I think the last line, like the, who's his best meal or Reg, like just, to, <laughs> I think that came in like the last, like on the day before or something like that. Um, I said, nah, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to, going to rustle some feathers. <laughs> That's why I mentioned, um, geeks told me I was scared to bless this booth. Get a even through in these two pens and all, but that's the bantam when the legends talk, share some doppies share, then some legs get pulled. Yeah, so uh yeah, I had to have my little my little dig at them. But that goes back to the competition of thing. Of
0: course, and, of course. You know. So when you walk out that booth and, and there's flames behind you. Yeah. Like was it like
2: <laughs> Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> It was a little bit like that. And a uh, wretch must have texted me like, as soon as it come out, and he was like, that's why I love you, my yeah. brother. And I knew, I knew I'd knew done sang, yeah.
0: You know, you have the reputation of being um, not elusive, but almost like reclusive. You know, like you don't come out to everything. Like you're present, your name is always there, but you don't come out
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: to everything. Is that by design, or is that just what your personality is, man?
2: I think that's just... What my personality is. Like, to me, it's like, yeah, I don't I don't have to be everywhere or, like, if I want to go somewhere, I'll go somewhere and, you know, if there's something big happening and I just want to go Power League and play football, then I'm just going to do that instead. It's like, it, it like, it, you know, it's like the importance gal is like a, not how you think it might be for someone else in the industry, or perceived to be trying to make it famous, or da da da. It's a uh, yeah, I just kind of go to what I want to go to. You know what I mean? What I think's fun, or just how I feel on that day. You know, I never like not turn up to something I'm supposed to be at, like a concert or something like that. i never you're here today. I've never done that. I'm
0: very appreciative that you're here today. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
2: I've never done anything like that, but it's just a. Uh, I'm not an industry person, like I can't do that. I don't, like a network in that way. And I kind of keep myself to myself. I've got friends in the game. I speak to them and it's like, whatever with the rest of it. Don't interest me so much, you know? But I've been doing it a minute as well. So it's like, yeah.
0: Before we talk about your work in front of the camera, You've been doing a lot of work behind the camera with your videos, correct?
2: Yeah, yeah, I have been this time around, yeah. Garage Skank Freestyle. Garage Skank. Like, how
0: did you put that video together, like, with all your fans and your friends? And, like, that that seemed like it was a lot of work, man. What was the process?
2: Yeah, that was kind of hard. That was like a, yeah, some late nights, very stressful. But, uh, basically, I made the tune at home. I just done it in my front room. It's got a little setup, up microphone, whatever, laptop. And then started playing it in the kitchen and just was on Instagram. Done a couple of videos where I put it up and then people was like, oh, where can I get the tune? Where can I get the tune? At this point, it wasn't, I wasn't really thinking, it wasn't for the album, it was just, i just done it, you know? And um <clears throat> people started like, you know, sending me back videos of like the lyrics and whatever, and just I was
0: without you asking.
2: Yeah, without me asking, just like sending me DMs and whatever of them vibing in their kitchen or whatever. And then I was like, you know, this could be quite an interesting concept for a video. So I was like, I put out a message saying, if you want the tune, um, email me, and I'll email you back the tune. And then, if you can, uh, do a little bit to camera and send it back and I'll try and make a little slideshow or whatever. That's what I thought it was going to be at the time. You
0: didn't see the scale of what it was going to be. I didn't
2: see the scale, so I put out my the email address and that and I just got, like, a thousand emails. <laughs> I had to, like, shut it down and say, like, stop, stop sending emails and whatever. And um, so I had to send out all the tunes. I didn't even, like... I didn't know. So I was trying to like attack at everyone. You know, I send an email to a bunch of people, like all at once, like blind CC or however you do it. Right,
0: right, BCC, yeah.
2: Yeah. But if one email, if you get it wrong or something, then it like, shuts it fails and it all bounces back. So, yeah. so I basically, <laughs> it took me about five hours to write in everyone's email, and then it bounced back. And I was like, oh, my God. That's when I knew it was going to be a late night. <laughs> so then I had to send it to everyone one by one again. So I was up to about 4 a.m. doing that. And then, yeah. like So I just told them, look, send it to me, do it landscape, and blah, blah, blah. So over the next few days, I started getting like – you know, the videos back and you know, a couple of kids Gladesmore school in Tottenham, um guy in the garden with his dog, then like ones from Poland started coming in, then Mozambique and South Korea and it was just like just like loads of footage started coming in, like from all across the world and stuff, and I was like, Wow, this is like this is so amazing, but it was a great process for me as well because I got to speak to people then you know, connect with your fans, connecting with them like in a in a real, in a real way, and yeah, it it, it was just like it felt, know, oh, it just felt felt good, felt good, and um, yes, started piecing together the video with risky roads, we done that at my house. And over the next few days and just, yeah, cut it together and just put it out, man. And I think that vibe was just infectious that people getting involved and feeling like they have ownership over this tune. It's no longer mine. It's like our oh, tune. So when I perform it now, but well, people still send me videos as well of them, <laughs> them doing it or their kids doing it, you know. So when I perform it, it's like, it's a, it's a winner because it, it goes down so well because everyone feels like they're involved.
0: They're still sending you footage.
2: Yeah, still sending so, me every so I, day. I got an
0: idea for you, man. Like yeah. Take the footage that's still coming on and have it on a stage as you're performing it. Like, I, the, I, so, I, so it never gets old.
2: Yeah, I thought about that. Yeah, okay. uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course you did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nah. It's, uh, yeah, that would be sick. That would be sick. Yo,
0: I have to applaud you on the work you've done on uh, Top Boy.
2: Thank you.
0: It is such an engaging show. Um, And I'm late to the party. Like, I just started watching it about two, three months ago in preparation for this interview. But I was like, what the fuck (laughs) is going on? So even stateside, when I'm telling my people, like, yo, you got to watch Top Boy. And they're trying to, and I'm trying to explain it to them. And they're like, explain it to me. I don't even want to do the show a disservice by saying it's a Brit version of The Wire because it's not. But there's nothing else I could really say to describe that, man. How Did you have aspirations to act? Like, how did all of that come about, man?
2: No, I never had any um, really to act, you know. Uh, kind of fell into it. Like, t- from a while back now, I've had a couple offers to do certain things. Um, films and whatever. and
0: Films that we know about? Or?
2: Yeah, I think some of them came out, yeah. Some of them came out. Um, you know, some was just like, be a rapper in a fit. And I was like, no, nah, no, nah, I don't want to do anything like that. And some was just, just don't want to act. Some was like, oh, that sounds like a good story. I haven't got the time. And then, you know, Top Boy came about. And it was like after my, I don't think, fourth album or something like that. And I kind of wasn't doing anything. And my, my manager was like, uh, look, they want you to go in and read for this part. At the time, it was Duchesne, for the Duchesne character. And then, um, then it changed to Trung. Sully was called Trung before. I don't know. I don't know what Trung is, but. Yeah, so, I was like, alright, I'll read it. And he used to ring me all the time, like, have you read it yet? Like, nah, I ain't read it yet. I was, just, <laughs> I was never going to read it. I was just like, <laughs> I'm one of them, I'm one of them guys, yeah, it's just.
0: Don't tell me what to do.
2: No, no, no. Well, yeah, I'm definitely that guy, but I'm, nah, it was just like, I don't know, I didn't have any ambition to, act you know and then you know you get the insecurities i can't do that and i'm not trained and you know someone could do it better or whatever you know what i mean but he 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 was like no look i've read it and i think it's it's really good i was like yeah it might be good now but then it's going to be one of them stupid shows in it When them idiot idiot street london shows like i I was probably like <laughs> that's what I thought. You really didn't want to do it. Ah, no, nah, but I didn't trust it as well. I don't, right. like... Are you that protective of your brand where it's like... once You're not in control in something like that. And I am protective of my creations, you know? But this is something that someone else has created. And, like, you have to prove to me... That, do you know interesting thing? My uncle the other day, Shane's dad, he, uh, he was talking a random different thing. He was, uh, buying something on eBay, some speakers. <laughs> and, uh, he said, I don't just buy off anyone on eBay. You need to prove to me you've got OCD first. <laughs> he, said to, <laughs> he, said, he said, he needs to prove to me he's got OCD and that they're in tip top shit, blah, blah, blah. Whatever. It's like, same thing. You have to prove to me that you're, in it for the right reasons and that you have no um you know aim to make this joke show or this gimmicky thing is not going to be like anything one of those other shows that have come out before and it's going to be quality so rich was like all right i'm gonna find out the directors and blah blah he was like look the producers are cowboy and they've They've done some quality stuff before. Um it's gonna be uh Channel Four and directors called Jan, young guy, but like, you know, real, really artistic and blah blah blah, up and coming. And the writer's Ronan Bennett and he had written some good stuff like with Johnny Depp and Public Enemy and stuff like that. and and I was like, Alright, cool. So it sounds like um it's got potential to be a good product so I, project, so I read it. Um, then I was like, oh, shit, this is good. It's like, Fuck, I was you know, trying to convince myself it w-
0: wouldn't be good, I was, but it was good. Yeah,
2: I was trying to like find any reason to not do it. And I was like, right, this is actually good. All right, cool, I'll go and meet the guys. And um, went, and I read for a, ca- a character, then I read for, which is now Sully. And then I had to go back again. <sighs> then I went back again. What was
0: that? Frustrating you? Like, you guys called me to yeah, read for this and now yeah. I didn't get the role. Like, what's going on? Yeah, like,
2: yeah, that was like. You're
0: making me work for this role.
2: Yeah. It got to the point where, I think we was on the way to a, a gig and we had to, we stopped there first so I can go and read and then, then we went on to the show. But that point, I was like, look, I ain't going again, so you ever gotta tell me, yeah or no? But that day I read with Ashley. He was there and we done a scene together. And, um, the, the, The casting director, um, there's, there's Hamilton. He was like, he, he, he came up to me before I went into the, to the room to read and he was like, look, basically what's going on is we, they really want to give you the role, but they need to know that you can lose it, that you can flip because obviously you are cool so, and Sell Solly's batch crazy. Yeah, it's like you're calm and blah blah blah, but this is a character that needs to be able to flip. So he goes, "Look, we're going to run a scene in it. <laughs> I'm going to run it with you." This is what he told me. He said everything in that room can be replaced. <laughs> <So> he said, <laughs> he, said <laughs> he said everything can be replaced. And I and, he goes, and I'm a big I'm a big lad, Scottish guy. I'm a I'm a big lad. You can you can rough me up. It's fine. So <laughs> I went in there. We'd done the scene, scene with Ashley, and I just lost the plot in there. I just went like <laughs> nuts in there, you know? And um, I thought, shit, have I gone too far?
0: Was there any blood involved?
2: <laughs> just shy of, just shy of blood. <laughs> and um afterwards, he was like, to me. You know what I mean? Then um later on that day or I think the next day or whatever they rang and said, Yep, yeah, you got the part and let's um let's let's start, let's meet with the writer, let's get your input, let's do some workshops and whatever. So yeah, that that was how that role came about.
0: You know, I think the beauty of the show is that as good as it is, it's still sizzling. Like it still hasn't popped yet. I see it popping, but it still hasn't popped yet. How fortuitous, man? How serendipitous is it that, you know, you finished the run of that show, that show is on Netflix, and then you drop, arguably what people consider to be your best album, and how does it support each other?
2: Um, well, I think th- the album was, uh, a, it dropped a bit of a distance away. I mean, you've just watched so, but, um, since you, it kind of dropped simultaneously. But, it was there was about almost three years in between
0: from being on air to
2: yeah yeah from the last season show into me actually dropping the album so after the album but I I think it as is it is it helped I don't know maybe maybe it it, it has I I think it sh- it showed me in a different light like, um, it was an experience for me it acting is about being allowing yourself to be vulnerable and tell the truth of that character and i think in the album i have allowed myself to be vulnerable and told the truth of my character so before i used to say it had no impact on my writing but maybe it actually has you know but i think in the space of not making an album for six years, that kind of acted like an album. <laughs> you know what I mean?
0: Mixtape, emotional. Yeah,
2: like a it, it kind of... A body filled, of work, a body of work. Yeah, it kind of like filled that space and gave me presence as well, you know? So, yeah, I think it, in hindsight, it was a good thing for me to do. Um, it's definitely, you know, one mm-hmm. of... Do you love the experience of yeah. my career? You,
0: you love the experience of of, of acting in this Oh, no, no, I didn't like it at
2: all, no. I didn't, no, 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 no.
0: You didn't like the actual acting? Not really. Really? You're finicky, man. <laughs>
2: I, liked it. I liked it more the second time. Right. I, I started to like it towards the end of the first one, but that's because you, like, you, you know, you become mates and whatever, and um, when you're not doing it, you start to miss it, which lets you know maybe you did like it. Right. Um, but... It's just like you get up at fucking like four a.m. and all that shit, and you fucking get picked up mad early. Go, you know, you just stand in the cold, put on the same clothes, and you stand <laughs> there, and like they might not even need you till like four p.m., but they've got you there anyway because you're working. <laughs> like you know, what I mean, it's, a, it's like a job, you know. It's like, <laughs> and and then it's like, yeah, it's like you you know, I don't want to work for no one in it you that's what you're thinking <laughs> you don't want to work for nobody but um I, and you have less creative control over the piece you know what i mean I, I, and and ash ashley's there telling me like mate you're fortunate to be a part of something like this for your first thing because we've actually had input in the script um in the marketing in the music like you don't even get this on on other things right. and you've been a part of a quality show critically acclaimed you know right. so yeah the, the day-to-day sometime isn't isn't that great and it feels like hard work but i'm gonna sound like a proper actor now but uh, uh robert de niro said something <laughs> and uh he said it if it feels like fun then it's probably not good
0: that's interesting. You know? Um, two questions with regard to that. Uh, is there going to be a season three? And did the Chinaman die?
2: <laughs> did the Chinaman die, you know? Uh, I, want, I want to
0: know, man.
2: He looked kind of dead still. Y'all left him on the ground. <laughs> Y'all left him on the ground bleeding. I want to know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He look he's kind of dead. He looked kind of dead. <laughs> Season three, I don't know. I don't know. I really don't. (laughs) If if I was a betting man, which I ain't, I would think it's going to happen. Yeah. But, you know, it could easily not happen. Easily not happen. From for many reasons right. and other factors outside of any actor's control. Like, everyone on the see on the street is like, when's it going to be a new talk? And I'm like, I don't know. And, and they think I'm lying or something. Like, <laughs> actors don't have control, they have no control right? like that, you know?
0: Is the rumor true that Drake wants to put some money up for it? Have you heard that?
2: Yeah, I've heard that.
0: Is that true? Is that, you don't know?
2: I don't know. And I don't know about putting up No, at at first I think it was a room, but I I realised, no, it's actually, it's a real thing. Like, he got in touch, you know, and, uh, you know, has been put in touch with the producers and whatever, and, like, a lot of people um, want to somehow see the show continue and is willing to, you know help and things like that and i think that that's kind of where he i don't know about putting up money for it and blah blah blah, but yeah he has been in touch and i think would like to see it happen again um that's a good sign yeah yeah but i don't know much more than that to be fair
0: you know you said um about your music and the music scene here and i i think i gotta wrap it up i don't know you guys want us to go a little longer (laughs) You know, I, you read, you 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 wrote something uh, that I read about um, the music scene here in, um, in 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 London. You said, "Let's not hide the fact that we're British," when in the past we have with American accents. Um, what what did you mean by that? What do you mean by that?
2: I think there's just was just a time in UK hip hop where it's like you know American hip hop so. Big and so glamorous American. so an American. And, American, and people just wanted to you know loved it so much that they emulated you know rather than taking inspiration more so becoming uh in attempt to fit in um you know. And I just think that, you can tell me, but I don't think an American wants to hear an English person trying to be American. They'll no, rather hear we want to hear the authenticity of where you're coming from. I think you would rather want to hear about our situation, I our streets. and
0: I definitely want to know about your streets.
2: You know, so, yeah, I just felt like we, you know have got over that as a uh, culture or whatever and are, you know, proud of who we are and we make the music that we make and then it seems like we gained more respect from over there and um, anyway, just being ourself, you know. I feel like they... You know, you you guys will respect that much more, and we would respect, you know, use use in the same way. Your father. Mm.
0: How's fatherhood changed your life? I'm not a father. No, you're not a I father. I thought you said my my father. I thought father. you were a father.
2: No, I'm not a father. Not, not yet. No, yeah, no. Are you sure? No.
0: not. How does how does a Grime artists become the face of Mercedes Benz, man. Nah, huh? driving around looking clean and fancy.
2: <laughs> huh? um, nah, I think that it's just like they got in touch and was like, you know, we <laughs> we want you to be in the part of this advert or whatever.
0: You know, are you surprised? You questioning yourself like? Why am I so fortunate? Why are these opportunities opportunities that most of us were killed for? Why do they, do you question why they come to you? Because it seems, I mean, and uh. this is not taking anything away from, from your work ethic and everything that you've created, but it seems like these opportunities are just coming to you.
2: Uh, no, Uh I, f- I feel like there's obviously logic behind behind it. You know, they had a car called A-Class, which was, Becoming like a, well, not becoming, was always an uncool car and wanted to jazz it up and get in the lane of the One Series and A3 and Golf GTI and wanted me to be in it. (laughs) (laughs) Did you get the keys to your own,
0: did you get the keys to your own man?
2: Yeah, yeah, I got a car still, but not, I didn't get that one though. <laughs> man got the big boy. Yeah, the <laughs> big. Man got the. <laughs> but no, nah, no, nah, it was a. <laughs> yeah, it, you know, it was. Yeah, it was cool, man. It was just. Yeah, I think. It it, it. it was. It was all right to align myself with that that brand, and I think they um. Definitely have a, I say a foot in the culture, but I mean, you know, hip hop's always been quite aspirational and, you know, back in the day with, uh, you know, Rakim and that with the Mercedes emblem yes. chains and, and. The Beastie Boys and the, Ma- and the Mercedes Boys.
0: Well, actually, no, the Beasties were Volkswagen. Oh, they they Volkswagen? Yeah, the Beasties were Volkswagen, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, I, yeah.
2: so I thought it's not like, it's not a crazy, like, um. Yeah. Like a, un, like a not, not not a good fit or whatever, you know what I mean. So I thought, yeah, it would be cool. And I'm and I'm not really, you know, I don't advertise too much things or whatever. And it has to be something that that feels right. And I felt that that was quite all right.
0: Like Adidas as well, right?
2: Yeah, I've done some work with Adidas over the years. Way off <laughs> a little bit, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just like with with Adidas, it's like. If I didn't fuck with them, I would still wear it because it's just what I like to wear. Like, Stan Smith's one of my favorite trainer of all time. And, um, yeah, like, when we started out, they used to be, you know, they was there and, like, even from, like, so solid days, if you check their, like, you know, they had a, uh, a a relationship with those people and I remember they used to, like, give us tracksuits and blah, blah, blah and whatever. And, um, like, kind of, support us and we we supported them and that's just kind of been going on for ages and then then we started to do some like real work and like this year i've done some uh deals for the for the nmd trainers and some, some performances and that but yeah it's been a it's been all right
0: you know you speak about not looking back you know you, and I, I get it like you know i do so much work that i don't tend to look back also and sometimes I look over my shoulder and it's like fuck I did that You know, but we still got to keep moving forward but do you ever miss the days the simple days, the raw days, the innocent days of like doing like the Lord Lord, Lord of the Mike freestyle with Wiley like those simple days where it seemed like things were a lot more carefree that there was not so much on the table you did what you wanted to do not that you don't want to, not that you do don't do what you want to do now but back then it was
2: just higher stakes now and it's just a
0: But do you miss those simple days, man?
1: Mm.
2: I will not say those things specifically, but I miss writing for no reason. Mm. I feel like every time I write now is for this featured verse or this song or this whatever. Um, And then we just used to write for... For no reason, just totally free that 's what I miss
0: so this is my last question um and I tend to end all of my interviews like this okay it's going to put you in the hot seat, but you know, <laughs> we're always supposed to be in the hot seat, right? Your top five favorite grime artists oh <laughs> i'm done. <laughs>
2: No camera phones, people. <laughs> Not including me. Not including you. Double E. Wiley. Gets. Lethal. Dizzy. Not in that order, but.
0: Not in that order.
2: Yeah and that's that's me um that's me not putting gigs in the grand bracket or wretch in the grand bracket, because they would be in it <laughs> if it was just in, in general right gigs and wretch would be in there, of course
0: listen man um this has been an honor, and
2: this has been fun. Uh, I, ho-
0: I hope it was. As fun to me,
2: you're nice, fun man. As fun to you as it was to me. Yeah, yeah, I really enjoyed this.
0: Yeah, definitely. I want to do this again, man. I want to come back to the UK again and, and do this, man. But
2: we're gonna know, have pie and mash next time, won't we say? Yeah, pie and mash with the green with the green liquor, right? The green liquor, look. <laughs> My man's got the liquor on deck, you know. <laughs> Yo, man,
0: listen. Um, you already know, man. Like, like, I'm really impressed. And 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 if you ever need anything stateside man like hit me up man like I, I, I want to continue championing you and I want you to continue having all the success and I'm still waiting for the confirmation that we're going to have season three man you know, okay. all the success to you alright
2: thank you and, very much
0: and I think we've had a wonderful 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 audience in, in the states man people are so impatient and they don't have this, this they don't have the, the the, focus that you guys have so you guys have been very great please give yourselves a round of applause <laughs> Thank you so much. So what So what do we do now?
1: That's it. Give oh, it up no, no, for no, no, Combat no. Jack and please, Kano. Please, no. please. Bruh, bruh. Yeah. Hold
0: on, hold on. Please give Ilbo Lavin the greatest applause because Will called me out of the blue several months ago and said, we got to bring you to the UK, and I know he fought very hard and knocked on a lot of doors. There was a lot of rejections. There were a lot of moments when this wasn't gonna happen, but this man right here made this evening happen, and I believe he's gonna make a lot more like this happen. I know he's already, you know, a well-celebrated journalist, an important guy in the culture, but I believe this guy's gonna go far, man. So thank you, Will, so much.
1: Man. Thank you. Peace.
0: Internets, Once again, man, shout out to Loot Crate, the monthly subscription box for geeks, gamers, and pop culture nerds. Let Loot Crate take you on a trip to a place called the Futuristic. Look towards tomorrow with items from Rick and Morty, Futurama, Star Trek, Mega Man, and Valiant Comics, including a model, a figure, and don't forget our monthly T and pin. You have until the 19th of July at 9 p.m. today, Pacific time to subscribe and receive that month's crate. No special treatment. Get it now or miss out. Get yours now by going to lootcrate.com slash combat and using code combat to save $3 on your new subscription today. Geek out fan bros with Loot Crate. Hey, yo, internet. So there you have it, man. We wrapped up this episode. Let, let us know what you what you think about it, man. You know, um, I'm still very like uh, vulnerable, man. Like 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 interviewing artists that I'm not comfortable with or, or not knowing their background. I really, I really put my heart and soul in that. I mean, I think the, the, the UK audience was very, very gracious in terms of having a, a Yank, you know what I'm saying, like interview one of their finest gems, but it was definitely an honor. One of the things that, that, that I didn't do when I when I closed the show and afterwards, some of the people from the audience, particularly George and some other cats, was like, yo, you didn't do the dream your dreams thing. And I apologize for not leaving that on the soil of the UK. So to be proper and to, to send this, this episode off properly, yo, internet, you know what it is, dream those dreams and glow up and live those dreams, because life without dreams is black and white, and the universe flows in technicolor and surround sound. Blah. internet! don't forget to check out this week's sponsor, Spotify's Discover Weekly. Discover Weekly lets you lose yourself every week in the thrill of new music discovery. Your Discover Weekly playlist is 30 songs you didn't know you loved yet. They're waiting for you, beloved. You get a brand new, unique playlist every Monday, personalized to your taste. Go to Spotify.com slash discover weekly now to get your playlist that's discover weekly spotify no this episode of the combat jack show was produced by jonathan Menna, executive produced by a king and chris morrow engineered by samir karan and recorded in the engine room audio studio in downtown manhattan this is an official loudspeakers networks production
1: what up combat jack it's a to represent
2: brooklyn big fan of your show love the interviews uh There are a couple of artists I'd like to see possibly on the show if possible. Slick Rick,
1: Buggy Fresh, Dead Prez, maybe even Mike Tyson, Rosie Perez.
2: And anyhow, keep up the good work, man. Like the show. Peace.